Hello and welcome to I Heard It On A Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West. I lost my saying. It's in a list. I'm chuffed to bits. My name's Isaiah. <laughs> my name is Riley. You're chuffed? <laughs> I'm chuffed to bits. Hmm. So we're in British saying now, if you'll remember from last week. Um, and I'm actually kind of in the mood for British things because we were just talking right before we started recording about how Emily and I binged Clarkson's Farm on Amazon Prime. And it's such a good show and it makes me want to be a farmer in Britain. So you are officially recommending Clarkson's, Clarkson's Farm. Clarkson's Farm gives the seal of approval from me. Great. Um, also, I've been watching a British YouTuber who does like uh, Minecraft videos. And I haven't been into Minecraft for like five years probably like it's been a long time since i've played minecraft uh-huh and i'm not even interested in like the game anymore but it's one of those things where i like watched his videos when i was playing minecraft and i kind of got attached to him as a person who is it uh his name's wasn't well, his name isn't this but his youtube channel is mumbo jumbo um but he's like just this british dude and he's like a really nice dude and he's like funny and he's like kind of fun to listen to and like the way he thinks and like explains things and just kind of like does his life i was kind of wonder wondering if it was stampy cat no it wasn't no (laughs) and so i watch his minecraft videos still because like i enjoy him as a personality minecraft is more than a game it is it's 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 like a cultural landmark right at this point which i don't necessarily want to be associated with necessarily no not it's it's got a negative stigma for adults who do that Uh, um okay but mumbo jumbo is good and funnily enough he has a lot of the same interests as me too like he's into like filmmaking and cinematography and so he has like a second like vlog channel that i watch a lot to see where he like goes on commercial shoots because he does like commercial videography and shoots commercials and films and stuff like that and he's also really into cars and so his second channel is just like cameras and classic cars and i'm really about that but he doesn't post very much on that so when i like don't want it like every two months then i have to go watch minecraft videos so anyway i've been watching a lot of british things recently all right so brit british it is um so what does chuck to bits mean chuffed with s um it means i'm very pleased oh yeah so you're chuffed to bits about britain right now yeah i'm chuffed on britain well i've been watching downton abbey so Mm. I guess I'm in the British world, too. We're both chuffed. Straight <laughs> chuffed up. <laughs> okay. Great. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, I'm not even going to talk about what the topics are. We're just going to jump right into them. Righto. Isaiah. Yes. If you had to build your structure, you were, uh, your safe haven, your shelter. Like a bunker? Just where you live. Okay doesn't have to necessarily be a bunker, but we can get into that. Okay. Out of a single material, just one material, you can only choose one. Which material would you choose? Concrete. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can't augment your materials. Okay. And you do get other tools, I've decided, sure. in this in this world so i guess you like pour your concrete and you got to pour it in the way that you want it sure and then you could remove it later with like a jackhammer sure but then you only get more concrete right is that really how you want to live your life is just with concrete i think concrete's pretty versatile (laughs) i mean when you said my like 
safe place and my structure, mm-hmm. I just pictured bunker right away. Um, so if it's not actually like supposed to be that, <laughs> then maybe I'd pick something else. Mm-hmm. Like if you just mean my house, I'd probably not use concrete. Well, I'm not meaning in like some alternate terrifying reality. I just mean like where you like right now. where you dwell. Um, I'd probably do glass. <laughs> Make a man in a house of glass. Yeah, ah. that'd be pretty what's modern. That, what's that um saying? Don't throw, don't throw rocks at a house of glass. Don't you can't throw rocks if you live, if you live in, in a glass, house of glass. Don't rock out. <laughs> I don't know. There's some there's some saying like that. Let me Google glass house rocks. Um. Well. Yeah, I think I think that you can theoretically do this if you bend the glass in a specific way. Yeah, I'll just like glass blow a house. Yeah. Um, my caveat to this question was that you could either choose brick or mortar. You can't have both. Right. Um, so it's like the three little pigs, you know? Yeah. You could choose, what is it? Build my house of straw. Sticks, straw. And then sticks. And then, and then bricks. bricks. Yeah. But really, if you think about it, just a bunch of bricks piled up. Right. You could make some mediocre walls that would that couldn't be blown you. over by a wolf. Right. But not. But probably could be blown over by like a hurricane. Right. Or like leaning on them. Right. Yeah. You you don't want to like bump them over, or you'll be crushed in a pile of bricks. Yeah. Um. I wonder if there's some some like method where those bricks that are kind of open in the middle, you know what I'm talking about? They're like a an eight shape, like a cinder block. Yeah, but they're a brick still. You ever seen those? The red ones? Yes, they're red and they're the size of a brick, but they're yes, a, they're, they're, they kind of look like a cinder block. Yes. Um, I wonder if you can somehow like break them and make like pole like little. Anyway, <laughs> you could probably like. Break them into a powder and fill the inside of all of the bricks with powder to make it heavier. Uh, that would be clever. Yeah. Um, I think the, what I think what I would choose is um, like gummy worms or like gummy snakes or <laughs> to build your house. like gummy bears. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they probably would be good at insulation. You could lick Maybe. them and get them to stick together, so uh-huh. you can build a lot of different shapes, and um, it would be delicious. But what if it rains? You build a new one. You get a new house all the time. But you're gonna die of exposure while it's raining. Ah, uh, no! You just build a new one. You get to work up a sweat. You, you got like plenty of sugar dive to into eat. Into a huge pile of gummy bears and hide from the rain. <laughs> Uh, well, I think you got to build it thick enough right. that you survive one rainstorm, but here it doesn't rain for more than a half hour, so sure. you'd be fine. Okay. I think, alternatively, graham crackers could be a good choice. Okay. Keep going. For the same I like where you're going. You could just like chew them up in your mouth to make like a gluey paste <laughs> and then use it to like build a gingerbread house pretty much <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> Okay, that's <laughs> disgusting, but okay. Or marshmallows. Yeah, marshmallows. Because yeah, yeah. you can like bite them in half and then they're sticky yep. and then they're basically an adhesive. Yeah, or you could like melt them down because you can use tools. So you can melt them down and put sure. them into like blocks and then <laughs> yeah. you have like hard blocks and you could use the like melty stuff to stick them. You basically have 
brick and mortar in one thing mm. yeah you can let them sit out in the sun and mm-hmm. like become hard like and bake. dry <laughs> i think the real question or real answer though is you know that uh youtube channel primitive technology yeah the real answer is just mud yeah you can right. make anything out of mud <laughs> yeah you just mix mud with water although he does add um like straw yeah. a lot but that's basically what bricks were for like thousands of years was mud mixed with straw and yeah. water. And if you really can't use anything like besides what water you have is... on you, you could still use spit and hair. It's just going to take I'll a really long I'll allow water because okay. it like falls yeah. from the sky. Yeah, That okay. seems like it should be allowed. Sure. Because it would kind of become, it would become part of your structure anyway. Right. Because of rain. Right. Um. So I'll allow you that I'll say that you can use water. Okay. That makes sense to me. So yeah, mud, I think is the best option. Okay. Which coincidentally is what most of the world uses to build their houses. <laughs> um, I feel like I've not watched enough primitive technology though to like, if I was put in this situation tomorrow and was like, all right, here's all the dirt you'll ever need. There's a, there's a bunch of water right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, build your house good luck <laughs> you would just end up with like mud pies <laughs> probably because <laughs> he does a really good job although he does use like wood wood structures to kind of make like w- bricks kind of right like he puts this mud mixture into a square or a rectangle kind of frame right and then lets them bake in the sun and become bricks yeah but you could build an oven out of mud and then build a frame for your bricks out of mud and then just bake the frame in the oven and then if you're getting the, really technical that would be using wood in the oven oh you'd have to <laughs> maybe you could build some sort of like solar oven <laughs> with mud <laughs> <laughs> i think we could get decent bricks by hand without a mold yeah 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 i think so you just kind of go and pat them yeah yeah they wouldn't be great right but you use more mud to fill them in right you just stack them on top slap some more mud on the outside let that bake and harden i mean it's not going to be like an ancient civilization it's not going to survive for thousands of years right but you'll get through the winter probably and mud is like a self-advancing technology so once you build something simple out of mud you can use that simple mud thing to build more complex mud things until you eventually become the modern technology era. Yeah, until I eventually unlock the next skill and then can use straw. Yep. <laughs> get, to the, get to the next tier. Next level. Yeah. And then it's like iron. <laughs> get to the iron. Yeah. But then I still have to use a stone pickaxe to get the iron. Oh, we're going back to Minecraft, are we? I see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, man. Well, I feel like we've come to a good conclusion that it is, in fact, mud. That's probably like if we sat here for two more hours and debated it, we probably would still come back to mud. Yeah. Although, I mean, concrete really is a good answer. Yeah. Concrete, I would prefer to mud, I think, as long as we're allowing water. That was kind of the important part because like concrete powder by itself is not useful. But if we're allowing water, concrete's probably going to be the best option. Hmm. Sure. Because concrete by itself is technically just a comp- comp- combination of a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. So to say that concrete is one thing is already kind of accepting right. several 
totally the several things anyway. So we might as well just say that we can have water at that point. I think to go even farther, if we're allowed to like use tools and stuff, I think I would just say like steel because then you can just like weld it together however you want or like bend it into whatever shape you want. But steel isn't very insulative, is it? I mean, if you have enough steel. Plus you can like, I think if you do like a, uh, you could have like air gaps. You could have like a wall and then you build another wall next to it and like leave that air sealed inside. Yeah. That's insulative. Yeah, that's true. Steel. Steel is the answer. I feel like that's not very homey. I honestly would rather live in a structure made of mud than I would of a structure made of steel. Hmm. You could like pee on it to make it patina. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant like to mark my own territory. No, then it to make feel it patina. <laughs> yeah. You're not home till you pee there. But then it, you got to air it out. You got to cut a hole in it. Well, it doesn't have to be. You could do this as you're building it. Like you could pee on all the raw steel. Let it all patina and then build it all together. Yeah, but then you just have like a Chipotle. It's just like so industrial. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I would still prefer the, really? the mud home. I would just feel like I'm one with my ancestors mm-hmm. and not just like some weird space age guy living in a steel structure. Which would you rather live in? I mean... Practically, probably the steel. But I mean aesthetically. Aesthetically? Also the steel. Really? Yeah. Just surrounded only steel to look at. Yeah. I could like make different colors of steel. Could like polish one steel really shiny and, you know, have the other one be patina-y from peeing on it. <laughs> have the third one be like... Just regular old steel? Steel. I don't Just know. steely steel. There's so many types of steel too. I could like use my welder to draw pictures in the steel and like have artwork on my walls. <laughs> this podcast sucks. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Okay. I was thinking the other day that Nintendo probably is the best video game company that it that is and ever will be. Because of its ubiquity and just sheer belovedness of all of its titles. And I confirmed this recently by looking at a list of all of their uh, games that they've ever created going all the way back to 1977. And I was looking at all of their systems that they've created. Um, I was telling you about this before the podcast, but Mm -hmm. I was having a nice trip down memory lane looking at all the systems and games from like the early 2000s when i first started having access to video games and of course nintendo was like the bulk of what i played when i was you know seven to 13 yeah um as i'm sure a lot of people do like that's probably the first video games that people play which is probably why so many people have so much nostalgia tied to nintendo but I I just feel that the weight of having characters so beloved and video games that are so timeless overcompensates for not overcompensates does compensate for the fact that they might not have as many like AAA titles 
right. as other current studios and maybe some would argue that they can't compete with the modern huge uh, first person shooters or like story driven uh, more art pieces. Yeah. Because they are really like at this point they're coasting on you know IP from like the 80s. You know their characters have existed for decades and they just are using the same titles which is like it works and it is nostalgic but I think depending on the game if I were like seven now I might not want to like play Nintendo games compared to other games I could have you know I think a lot of the enticingness is it's something that we grew up with as kids and when it was cutting edge and like the games were competitive with other systems or like leading other systems you know because like in our day like the first console I ever got was a GameCube Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to think what else was available in like that era I think the Xbox had just maybe just started um the original Xbox but I think the GameCube was out first I don't know I could be wrong but that was kind of one of the leading like consoles like that's just what you got you got a GameCube um you could get a PlayStation if you like like Spider-Man or whatever but most people just had a GameCube and you'd play Mario Party with your friends or Mm -hmm. you know whatever um whereas now it's like you only buy a Nintendo product if you love Nintendo games, but there's not flexibility in it like there used to be. Um, you can only play like Nintendo games on a Nintendo console, but not much else. Whereas if you like have a, you know, iPad is probably the most like used gaming device for that age range, that like seven to 10 age range. Probably. Um, either that or, you know, a PlayStation. But I mean, most most kids I know like play iPad games all the time and they're very like complex compared to old Nintendo games. And some younger kids might just be like, Oh, this is boring. Like I want to play like whatever game, you know? And so I want, I, I am very confident that so much of Nintendo's success currently is just based on nostalgia and based on like capitalizing on these characters who we've grown up with. Yeah, and I'm looking at the um, Nintendo games that are, that are being released in 2020 and 2021, and there's a Paper Mario game, a Mario Kart game, a third Luigi's Mansion, a Tetris game, a Fire Emblem game, those Fire Emblem characters uh-huh. from Super Smash, um, a Pikmin game, Super Mario, uh, Pokemon some other like random weird things that I don't recognize any of them. A Wario game, a met Mm. like a, a Metroid redo of some past Metroid game. Uh, and just several Mario titles and several Pokemon titles. Um, and like Bayonetta and Metroid and almost all of them are sequels. Like they have colons after them or they literally have numbers in them like Bayonetta three or Metroid prime four. Right. And so I think you're right. They're probably like using characters that were established previously. But to to it's not necessarily our like our generation didn't get them either. Right. Metroid came out in 1987 or something right. like that. So we obviously were well 
we we got we had some new stuff like Pokemon right. came out in the mid '90s or something like that. Um, but we seem to be okay with inheriting stuff that was nostalgic for people that were older than us. Yeah, and we grew to love it. So why won't why wouldn't you know seven year olds now? I think a lot of it is just the fact that Nintendo isn't like being as competitive as they were. Like we didn't have as many options. Yeah. Or, I mean, there were still lots of options, but Nintendo was like evenly ranked option wise. Um, and they just haven't like so much of their company's philosophy and their game direction hasn't been like with current games. They've kind of stayed in that same place where it was, you know, for their whole company's lifespan um, like one good example is online gameplay. Like I think we can say that that's kind of a staple for a lot of people like socializing is playing video games online with their friends. Um, and that wasn't a thing like, you know, in 2006 or 2003 or whenever we were playing video games, like you have your friends come over and you'd split screen. Yeah. And now it's like on PC or iPad or Xbox or PlayStation, you a lot of times can't split screen, but you can play online. Um, and to play online with Nintendo, you have to pay money. And it's very like, there's no way to like voice chat with your friends. There's no way to necessarily make sure you end up in the same game as your friends. Like it's very rudimentary. It feels very like early this technology. Same for like the uh, like complexity of games. I think the only like complex Nintendo game that I've seen come out recently is the breath of the wild um game which is very complex and it's an amazing game but i think everything else has been less complex like we've played i think we've played mario party together on the Mm -hmm. switch yeah and that one compared to the one on the gamecube is like dumbed down like it feels like i'm just playing like a free mobile mario party game yeah there's not much like strategy to it there's not much like you know, you're not making these critical decisions or making these cool choices or like having to plan. You just kind of like look at the flashing colors and get coins and stars and then randomly someone wins the game. And I feel like that's how a lot of the Nintendo games have been recently is they're capitalizing on that IP and not trying to innovate or like make interesting games for the most part overall, I think. I think there are, you know, exceptions like Super Smash and Breath of the Wild that are great games. But both of those are also capitalizing on IP. Totally. Like, but they've got Legend a great... of the Wild has been building on the Link, right. like Legend of Zelda right. uh, world for 25 years. Right. But the, the difference is those games, like Breath of the Wild, could stand by itself. If you had never played a Zelda game and never even heard of Zelda, it would still yeah. be a good game. Whereas like if I played Mario Party ultimate switch whatever it's called and had never played mario party before i would be like this game sucks or like the new mario kart on the switch would be like this sucks um because those games rely so much on you having played other titles where you know super smash i think is fun even if you've never played it before and breath of the wild is fun because it's like a complex interesting game that doesn't rely too much on other older titles um And I think there are, like, any of their IPs could be great opportunities for this. They just need to make sure they're, like, good games by themselves, too, like, for the sake of games. Like, you had mentioned Paper Mario. And so Paper Mario, when I was growing up, was, like, my favorite game. I love Paper Mario. Um, 
and I had the original Paper Mario and I had Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, which was like one of the highest rated games kind of, of all time. And so then they'd released a Paper Mario game, I think a year or two ago. Um, and I was like super excited. I was like, there's going to be a Paper Mario game and it's on the Switch and I'm going to buy it. I'm going to like relive all those times. And I waited for them to like release it and get reviews. And the reviews were all just terrible because it was dumbed down. It was more like an iPad game. There wasn't like the same thing, no strategy, no complexity, no like interesting RPG elements. It was just more of like a mobile casual game. And so I ended up not buying it, which is really sad because it's like one of my most nostalgic favorite franchises ever. And it's just coasting on like that name, like the Paper Mario name. People buy it because it's like, oh, it's Paper Mario. But it's not the same gameplay. It's gotten worse and it's not innovating at all. So I do think like, I think Nintendo is at the place now where it's like either knock it out of the park, hit or swing so hard and miss. And it's just not even close. You know, I don't feel like there's any like kind of middle of the road games that they're releasing at this point. So what is there to say then about creating worlds, Mm -hmm. characters, phenomenons as big as Mario and Pokemon and like the Legend of Zelda and all of these things that millions of people all over the world are familiar with? Like where does that... How how much weight does that carry compared to not having as consistent quality games today? Yeah, I mean, I think... Like, that's got to give the company some merit, right? Right, it does. But I think, like, that merit goes away with time. And as you can continue to kind of, like, almost spurn that, like, releasing... I don't know. It's obviously different people who are working there now and different people in charge and, like... You know, it's it's a different company based on who works there all together. Um, and I think some of that aspect is, like, if it is different people, they're, like, working on other people's work but not, like, doing the same type of innovation because those things were innovative when they were created, right? Um, and so maybe it is, like, creating new franchises, trying to, like, rekindle what made Nintendo great in the first place. Or maybe it is innovating with old franchises. And there's a danger there because like you could mess up a franchise and like scar people from it and make them not interested in that franchise anymore. But I think they're kind of doing that for some anyway, like some diehard fans of certain franchises aren't liking the direction they're going now. Um, And so I do think like Nintendo does have some of the best IP. I would say like story wise and like recognition wise, a hundred percent best out of any game maker ever. And so they've got so much potential. They're just falling short in other areas. And that's why I'm, you know, not as shining about them as I could be. Yeah, it's definitely an enormous shoe to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, to say, like, what are you going to do with Mario? Um, yeah. Or, like, Pikachu. Right. Um, because everyone on Earth knows who those characters right. are. Not everyone knows... Uh, Master Chief. Right. I mean, that's probably the next most famous one. Right. And I had to think really hard to remember his name. Right. Um, so I, that's that's just like really difficult 
I, I understand why it's been inconsistent. Yeah. Also, the fact that they release like 30 games a year is probably like partly cash grab, partly right. just floundering in the water. And also, like, how do you keep a company and a a direction consistent when the switch has been out for f- five years and there's, you know, like 55 games on it yeah. just from Nintendo alone. Yeah. That doesn't, it just seems like you're not using resources con- like wisely. Right. Does there really need to be like 55 mediocre games? Right. Why not just have like 15 really great games? Right. And I do think like, cash grab would be a good way to describe it in some ways because they also have the practice of never discounting their games ever so even like a you know six-year-old wii u game is still going to be 60 bucks you know like that's insane yeah and they never never like do big discounts they don't discount as things age and i can't imagine like can you imagine going to gamestop and trying to buy a new copy of like Wii Sports Resort and having to pay $60 in 2021. <laughs> well, at this point, it might be vintage. So, yes. But it could be more. Yeah. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Like, in, in one regard, I guess, like, I respect it because they are standing strong. They're like, this is what our IP is worth. These are what the games are worth. This is Some what we do with them, our IP. Yes, yeah. But Wii Sports Resort? Yeah. It's not a There's good no blanket. character there. Right. Yeah. Or even games like uh what's the uh what's the Wii one that's got like six games on it? Uh Wii Play? No, it's not Yeah, it, it is Wii Play. We play. That's the one with like the like with, Pong kind of thing and Yeah, and fishing and fishing, the cow yeah. game and tanks. Can you imagine playing paying like I don't think it was ever sixty, but I think it was forty new and it's still forty if it was I'd pay forty dollars for tanks. <laughs> Is that the one that has tanks? Yeah. Tanks is good. Tanks is I would buy tanks alone. Did we ever get to the end of tanks? No. Is there it's an impossible. end? Impossible. I don't know. I bet I bet it's a YouTube frequently searched YouTube video. Yeah. This makes you want to play tanks and Paper Mario. <laughs> I've got a lot of game binging. My Wii do. broke. Like Did it? I, I've had it since is the original Wii uh-huh. that came out in like two thousand seven or whatever. And it's always just sitting there with its yellow or orange light on, huh. ready to be played. And I played it pretty consistently my whole life since we got it. Uh-huh. And the other day, I just looked at it and tried to play it for, I forget what I was trying to play, probably Guitar Hero. Uh-huh. And it just wouldn't turn on. That's a bummer. I know. I checked all the chords and tried different outlets and everything. Huh. And it just didn't work end of an era i know sad. of course i'm not gonna get a new one right but it was it was sad i was like yeah. i've played this since i was nine or ten years old right and it's the only video game console i've ever had maybe the only one i ever will right. have i like it really was like a moment for yeah. me dang well that's sad i've been considering because there's a lot of games like uh Super Smash Melee was mm-hmm. the GameCube one. Yeah, that was good. And Paper Mario. There are a lot of good GameCube games. The um, Mario Kart for GameCube uh-huh. was Double the best. Yeah, but GameCubes are really expensive to get used. I bet. Um, let me try to pull one up on eBay. I here. bet they're like the like they're in the prime of vintage right, right. now. 
they like color wise and shape wise and oh yeah just the nostalgia factor yeah but um, man i remember playing those when i was like eight years old my friend had one of them right we would play that james bond game i think it was uh-huh. goldeneye goldeneye oh, what <laughs> oh man sitting in the tower launching rockets to be young again <laughs> so good so i can only see one gamecube on ebay right now um i don't know if they're like sold out it's 300 dollars, which is kind of crazy it comes with some games so that's cool i guess could be worse um, yeah it could be worse there's but the downside is the games too, like Super Smash Melee. Let me look that up. Super Smash Bros. Melee. Um, you can get a not working copy for fifty dollars. Just to like have in your collector's copy. I don't know. Maybe like hoping to refurbish it or whatever. Um, or to just put in your display case. Yeah, I don't know. Here's one for ninety. One for one twenty. So like. A lot of money for a single game. Good for them. Good for those people. Here's just a case and manual for $50. No game. So that's the downside. So the reason I, I say all that is I've been like, I had set up some emulators for a while when we were in Australia to like play games. And so I just would plug an Xbox computer or Xbox controller into my MacBook and then run the emulators on my MacBook. And there's some legal things with emulators sure where technically like it's a gray area depending on how you use it and so i was honest like i was like i'm only gonna download the games that i own a copy of at home and so i only you know downloaded the games that i knew were still at my parents house at home i was like i'm not like stealing a copy i own the license to this copy technically i'm not allowed to have two copies but i'm not gonna play the other one you know so it's a gray area, but sure, it's really fun to like have a big like high def screen and be able to use whatever controller you want and play whatever game you want. Like you can switch back and forth from Nintendo sixty four to GameCube, yada yada yada, just all on your laptop, and you can do it, you know, in the coffee shop or wherever you want to, you know, be. Yeah, it's really fun, and so I might have to go and fire up my old uh, Paper Mario emulator and <laughs> play some Paper Mario. Yeah, Paper Mario was a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that expanded my IQ more than like fourth grade because of the whole being flat. And did you have the Wii version of that game? The GameCube one. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if the GameCube did this, but it was like flat and then you could become 3D. Oh. For like certain sections. Yeah. So there would there would be certain points where you would like come to a wall yeah. that you couldn't pass. And so you'd have to hit a button and then you would like flip the perspective and so instead of looking at it as like a 2D side-scroller, yeah. you would then look at it like... Like behind like him? Like behind him or in front of him. Yeah. And then you could like move forwards and backwards in the plane. Uh-huh. And, and then you could like go through the wall huh. in a hole that you couldn't have seen unless you were looking at it in a 3D perspective rather than a 2D right. perspective. That's kind of like the it innovation that you want. Like yeah. cool game mechanics. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I think the... GameCube version had kind of something similar to that, but it would like pan to be like behind Mario, like looking in his plane of view, and it would just show like a line. It was kind of like a joke that like when you were behind Mario, everything was flat. Mm. So I think there was a scene that did that, but that's funny. Yeah, those cool game mechanics are what Nintendo needs to do. They yeah. need to like innovate in that. It was sense. cool. Okay. 
bad segue here. <laughs> we talked in the last episode on Monday about Teslas yes. to an extent. I, I, we mentioned Teslas. Yes. Mainly we talked about Jeeps, but we talked about Teslas partly. And something that Teslas can do is drive a bit for you. Yes. Um, I like, I like that. Uh-huh. Um, I think a lot of younger people are into the idea of cars driving for them. Yes. I think a lot of older people are not as much into that idea. Um, I'm not sure what the futures of self-driving cars are going to be. We are kind of like very slowly making some progress in that realm, but a world where a single car can do all of the driving seems really far away to me right now. Right. And a world where all of the cars do all of the driving for everyone, it seems kind of like a weird alternate reality. Right. But I do think that'll happen someday. Mm-hmm. Maybe even like almost in our lifetime. Yeah. So I want to talk about what that will be like. Okay. I think one of the potentially more near future versions of this will be all semi trucks, like 18 wheelers being self driving. Yeah. So before I get too far ahead of myself, what are your opinions, thoughts, perspectives on cars that drive themselves? Like, let's say in the car, there's not even a steering wheel at all. Right. I like them. I love that idea of having that option. I don't like the idea of, like, the possible, like, banning of manual driving in the future. Because I do like, you know, manual driving, you know, a truck or a sports car or what, what have you. Not necessarily all the time for transportation, but just for like fun, like as a as a hobby. But if my daily driver could be like steering wheelless, I've like kind of pictured what these could look like. Like they could be more like higher ceiling and they could, you know, have the front seats facing the back seats. So it's like kind of more like a train carriage uh-huh. feel. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily even ha- need to have windows if you didn't want to. So if you wanted to like completely black it out and like watch a movie inside, you could do that. Um, the seats could both lay flat and you could have like a full on bed inside and so you could just get it and lie down and it would like, there's so much, it's like rife for opportunity. Sure. And the idea of just having so much free time freed up by not having to drive that I could do other things in is amazing. Like I drive, I don't drive far for work, but my commute still every day is probably, you know half an hour total and half an hour every day is a lot of time that you would have to do other things. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that drive way more than that. Yeah. Like my dad drives, you know, an hour and a half each way for his commute five times a week. So that's, you know, 15 hours a week that he could gain back. So I'm like all for this self-driving car. Like I'm fully in for it. And, um, I think we both know the answer to this, but, you're not worried about the loss of control or having a robot drive for you? Not long term. I think there's that transition period where you need to have the ability to take control. But long term, no. Like statistically, even now with the simpler self-driving that we have, it's still statistically way safer for 
the robot to drive than a human to drive. Yeah. And that's just with what we have now. I mean, humans are just, humans do have better decision making, but they also just are less focused on the task of driving generally right. than a machine whose sole function as an existent device yeah. is to drive. Yeah, and I think it will get to the point where the machines have better decision-making skills too, mm -hmm. um, especially just in terms of like time to react. Sure. They're going to be way faster. Yeah. Um, and so soon there won't be any advantage to like having a human drive. Um, and I think it's kind of the case in a lot of other industries too, like the airline industry. Technically, they have to have humans there. To, like, <laughs> oh, man. My biggest conspiracy theory yeah. in my life is that pilots are a scam. They're actors. They don't even know how to fly a plane. Mm. Every pilot, uh, my theory, this is kind of me like putting on the tinfoil right. hat, is that every pilot ever on a plane just walks on and is like, oh, hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're cruising at uh, 38 billion feet. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a good flight to uh, San Diego. And they like don't even know where they're going right. or how high they're flying or what any of the instruments do. And they actually just like watch Grey's Anatomy in the right. front seat and the robot does everything. Which I think is pretty true on a lot of like, especially longer haul flights. The pilot there at that point is basically in charge of like, startup and shutdown checklists, pre-flight inspections, uh, uh, filing flight plans, like kind of doing all the bureaucratic stuff. And I think most of the time they'll take off and land, but they don't technically have to. They just do it because a lot of pilots are old school and like prefer that, like that's the fun part of the flight. Because yeah. once you're there, you like set autopilot and you just sit there. Like there's nothing fun to do. Like it's boring to just manually fly. So they do the fun <laughs> right. parts. but any modern plane can take off and land itself easily and it'll follow a flight plan. It'll make the adjustments. So really the pilots are just there to do the like planning and logistics, but not actually flying, which also could be done by yeah, just like could be some algorithm right. that receives like, Oh, well we, this is flight plan two, three, one, one received right. from, you know, DIA yep. going to San Francisco. Right. Logged. Yeah. And then they just immediately send it to San Francisco way faster than someone like typing it into some totally. program and making a typo. Yeah. You know? And I think it's like there's going to be a long, long while until some sort of machine learning happens or something like that where we do need to at least have a human who's knowledgeable to intervene in those situations where like you lose three engines. Like it's going to be a while before stuff can compensate for that or like you maybe you have like some sort of electrical failure that takes the electrics offline like then your computer's worthless so there are going to be times when it's like you need to have a human in both flying and driving there'll be a long transition where you need to have the ability to intervene but i think we will eventually get to the point where it will be impossible to intervene and it's just going to be programmed into the device to do what it's supposed to do and you won't have any say in that you know I th I mean, there are already so many like fail safes built into so many other systems that we probably already have started compiling a list of everything that could possibly go wrong while driving a car. Right. Longer than a li a longer list than any one person could ever create just by like s sitting down and writing yeah. a list of things that are bad while right. driving. And you know, I feel that. If 
you know, uh, the car runs out of gas. It just right. immediately senses to find no obstacles and pulls over. Right. And then it like puts out a beak. Uh, this would never even happen. First, it would sense that there's 38 miles left and right. find a gas station and right. make you pull over. Totally. Um, but if it did, it would just like pull over into a safe section of the road. Right. Or if it like it hit a deer, it would first of all, second of all, it would never hit a deer. Right. Or so if it, see it, right. It would yeah. see a deer way faster than a human yeah. did. Um, but just like every scenario, yeah. even if like an EMP went off and lost all of its electrical failure or electrical signals, yeah. there would still be like a mechanical immediate. Like put si- the brakes on. Like put yeah. the, slowly put the brakes on to stop over the course of 150 feet or something. Right. You know, like yeah. it can be planned yeah. for way and, more than any like human scenario can be planned totally. for. And that's the nice thing about like programming is you can think about all of those options and like think through them in the time that you need to figure them out. Whereas if you're a human responding, you're just reacting as fast as you can. You might make mistakes, but if you can, you know, plan the scenarios in advance and kind of then program it in the machine reacts instantly. Right. So there is a huge advantage to like being able to program things. And then the trick is to think through every possible scenario. And that's where machine learning is helpful because you tell it to like program itself and it just does. Right, and then you have millions of cars learning right. constantly and just getting better and yep. better. <laughs> and then you have Skynet and Terminator happens. Yeah, and then they all crash into each other and kill us all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the rise of the machines. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still on board. I still yeah. think it's going to be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> still worth it. Yeah. We're, we're not going to get to Skynet in our lifetimes, I don't think. Okay, that's another podcast for sure. <laughs> How about this? What do you think about all of the millions of people that are employed by driving? Like that their their profession is driving. That's like a big topic. drivers and semi-drivers. Long-haul drivers, and, yeah. yeah. I think this is another lean into our UBI podcast. Mm. Cause so you don't think that this is a... I mean, there have been times in the past where an innovation removes jobs Mm -hmm. and we didn't, I mean, they had to go and find jobs. Right. That sounds harsh, but that's, I mean, I could also be talking about like a thousand years ago when we like invented the printing press and people who hand wrote books were suddenly out of jobs. Right. Like it's happened for a long time mm-hmm. that an an invention takes away displaces, jobs. Yeah. Displaces jobs, but also kind of like moves up the well being of society. Right. So I think this one is particularly pertinent because so many people are employed by Driving, I think it's like 2.3 million people just long haul driving in America. Right. Like that's a lot of jobs just in one country, just doing a specific section. Right. Like there are other drivers and there are obviously every other country. So to then say like, oh, we don't need people to drive places anymore. Obviously it would be a slower transition than that, but that is a kind of 
daunting yeah. change mm-hmm. to an enormous workforce. Right. Yeah, and I think we're getting to the point where technology is going to outpace the ability to have other jobs. So in your like printing press example, sure, there's a bunch of like monks who can't do that, but they still need people to run the printing press. And there's other industries around that that are created like building printing presses or maintaining them or whatever. And there's just something different with software and its infinite replicability. Like we talked about this, like the way to get rich is to build something really good once and then just it duplicate, you just sell it a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same for this. Like they're going to have one killer driving algorithm. And so then if you don't drive, well, you could maybe build cars, but they don't need two and a half million people to build the cars. Right. And they need like 600 people to build the cars. Hmm. <laughs> And that's a huge displacement compared to the like printing press analogy. So we really are getting to the point where I think we'll get to the place of you only, ideally you only work if you want to work and everyone else just is on some sort of UBI or something like that. Because realistically, and it could just be we haven't gotten there yet and I can't see it, but I don't know what other jobs are going to be created out of this. Sure. Um, There will be some, I'm sure, but not nearly enough to replace that like manual needing a human on it job and that's not necessarily a bad thing like long haul trucking is not a fun job for most people like some people i'm sure enjoy it but it's bad for your it's not the body. most desirable job. no it's bad for your body it's boring it's long hours it's you know hard work it doesn't pay well um and i think there's a lot of people who given the choice between doing that or spending their time how they like <laughs> They'd probably choose to spend their time how they like, you know. Um, it's just that conversation about work. It's like the way we tie it to like our worth and our like our identity, identity, and like you have to have, which I think, in a way, is fair. I think there's a lot of value in like working and having a good work ethic and stuff, but just the idea that you have to have to have a job and like even if something outside of your control like it's not like you're quitting it's the job is taken from you and then that impacts your ability to like live that's just a little bit you know difficult so we definitely need to do that ubi podcast i'm reading a book about ubi so when i'm at least more into the book and have more information then we can do it but i want to do it justice since we've been leading up to it for it's gonna be like a mega thunder (laughs) yeah the four hour podcast (laughs) yeah i think the coolest thing that would happen in regards to self-driving cars though is just the idea that you could have a self-driving box truck that you could play ping pong in the back of while you're commuting well we still need to think about safety like you can't just do we still need to think about safety i don't know that's actually a good question not so if, much. If cars almost can't run into each other because every car communicates with each other and they know like exactly when they're all going to drive forward at a red yeah. light and when they're all going to stop yep. and when they're all going to turn and when they're all going to merge and every car knows exactly what the other one is doing and will do in the next like 10 minutes and they can all tell each other it simultaneously right. or instantaneously yep. will there really be accidents 
I think the only thing definitely that, like, not accidents. You wouldn't use that word. Right. I think the only thing that could be an issue is like natural things. So like the deer that jumps out in front of the car out of the woods where it can't be seen so fast that mechanically like the tires can't slow down that fast or like a rock falls off a cliff and hits on top of your car. Like I think there's going to be unavoidable things like that, Yeah, but it's going to be so statistically low that you don't have to necessarily have safety features built in. But the crazy thing about like machine learning and the algorithm and programming and all of these stupid buzzwords that I don't know what I'm yeah. talking about <laughs> is like the deer jumping out the car in a millisecond right. knows that it's a deer, knows where it's coming from, can calculate the trajectory of right. where it's going to go and will know if it's better to turn right or turn left right. or slow down or stop or like accelerate and go around it. Right. And it will also instantaneously communicate that to every car within like a half mile of you right that hey i have to make this unplanned procedure so get out of the way if you need to right so if they do have to like swerve into the other lane all the other cars will already know that it's doing that right it's just crazy right it's but so there, cool there are situations that literally no matter how fast it is can't happen like if a deer if you're like going 60 and a deer jumps out of the woods 10 feet in front of you like the car can't physically like move that fast like even if the computer knows what it's supposed to do there's a point where it's like you're still going to be moving this four thousand pound car you know that still takes 80 feet to break or you know 20 feet to swerve six feet to the right so there are going to still be some accidents like that where it's like just the worst possible timing there's no physical way for the machine to react i have a solution to that too it's easy kill all the deer <laughs> oh yes smart <laughs> and get rid of rocks yeah <laughs> Destroy every rock, make it as small as a marble, and kill every deer. Great. Done. <laughs> Problem solved. No safety needed. Okay, but here's the thing. If I had the option to play ping pong in the back of my car, yes. and they said, but you might get crushed by a giant <laughs> rock, <laughs> are you okay with that? Yes. I would say... Yeah, I of think course. I'm okay with that. Because yeah. it's not like if I was sitting in a seatbelt, I wouldn't get right. crushed by a giant rock. It's just that statistic thing. It's like how you don't have to wear a seatbelt on like high-speed trains or planes. Because the statistics of like the chance of an accident are so low that there's almost no point. And I think we get to that point with cars where it's like, you don't need seatbelts. You don't need like airbags. Like if you get in a wreck, it's going to suck. But the odds of that happening are so low that it's just not worth, you know, that. <laughs> Wow. That's kind of weird to think about. Yeah, it's very weird to think about. But I think the, I don't know, I can just see us like standing in the back of a box truck playing ping pong and it goes around a corner and it like influences the game and it becomes like this new sport. <laughs> That's so weird to think about. I like the idea of this. Uh -huh. It's it's very futury, but it also seems attainable. Yeah. Like some future things are just too far out of reach. Right. They're too... They're too out of the out of this world. Yeah. But there are real life people who are in real life cars that can do self driving things for them. Yeah. Even Emily's Today. car that we just got is like it'll, you know, speed up and slow down all the way to a mm -hmm. stop behind a car and it'll keep you inside the lines and it'll like emergency brake if something's in front of you. Yeah. And that's, that's where just you like gotta start. A base model car that we bought. Yeah. And that's pretty dang impressive already, you know? Future. Future. <laughs> it's here. 
All right. While you think about the future, dear listener, I would like to thank you for listening to I Heard It On A Podcast. Uh, You can find new episodes of this podcast on Mondays and Wednesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, If you like, yeah, you can find them in your Tesla if you want and just hit play all. Listen to every episode we've done so far. Um, If you like what you heard, send it to someone else who has a Tesla. Mm. Because you know if you have a Tesla, you know someone else who has a Tesla. It's kind of like a weird network. Yeah. And if you have a Tesla, you're going to love this show. (laughs) This show is like directed to Tesla owners. Yeah. Even though neither of us are anywhere near owning a Tesla. But in my heart, I do. Yeah. I would like one too someday when they're like an every man's car. Yeah. Um, what else do I say? Oh, as you can you can reach us at I heard it on a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, and also if you'd like us to continue exploring self driving, just Venmo us some money and we'll buy a Tesla and we'll just try it out. That could yeah. be a fun episode. Yeah, we will we'll do the podcast episode from the Tesla. Yeah. So if you want to make that happen, Venmo us at, at Isaiah Gimmestead at Riley Bowen. Yeah. Send us some money. Yep. <laughs> we'll go I think there. like 30 grand will do. Yeah. Well, we have to buy the self-driving module too. That's another 10 grand. So we oh. probably need like 45 grand. 45 grand will do. I, don't I know also Venmo... want a color. So True. 50 so grand. 50 grand. I don't know if Venmo lets you send 50 grand. Do it in small increments over the next 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> Or we'll, we'll accept cash, a cash infusion. I'll give you my direct banking route yeah. information if you're willing to do it.